We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 238. And I think we just rename it the rain delay, rain out, doubleheader scheduled for later in the season just because screw you Yankees podcast. What's up? It's, rid- it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, the, the fact that these guys are playing so many doubleheaders. I was joking about it after one of the postgame videos. But now, again, today, at least they called it early enough for everybody to at least, you know, know what they were going to do if, if people were going to the game or... Whatever. I mean, it was called pretty early, so the Raider had to have been pretty bad. Uh, it's it's getting it's getting insane. How many games? Uh, how many less games we've played than everybody else? Six. They've played six fewer games than the Red Sox. The Red Sox are playing Sunday night baseball tonight uh, against the, the Astros, so that's not going to be weather issue considering it's a dome in, in Houston. But yeah, af- as of Monday, they've played six fewer games, which is a lot to have to make up. It really is. It's a lot. It's a lot of games. 
and you know they're they're going to be sandwiched in weird places and at weird times and it's it's not going to be a good thing for the New York Yankees and I know we're going to bitch a little bit about this because this is the one thing that really bothered me badly is the stupid ESPN game and them getting flexed to a ESPN game with a doubleheader the next day I mean <laughs> what are you doing here this is ridiculous it, when it rains it pours literally and and now they're come ESPN's going to make us play three games in twenty less than twenty four hours something's got to be done this is. Bullshit. It's a com- conspiracy against the, the evil empire New York Yankees. Yeah, I'm not having this. And and everyone's saying, like, well, at least the doubleheaders are going to be, obviously they have the one on Monday against Detroit. Detroit's not a good team. Then Baltimore. Baltimore's garbage, as we saw this weekend. doesn't matter who you're playing. Doubleheaders are tough. It's very hard to sweep doubleheaders, especially when you have to play this many of them. It, you, have to, you have to play a lot. Obviously, within the uh, uh, you know two games, so you're you're really taxing your pitching staff. You're putting more pressure on the starter to get deeper into games, which they don't because there's only one guy on our on our staff who can go uh, deep into a game. But then you know the the bullpen. I understand you get an extra guy, but you're still putting a lot of pressure on uh, position players going out there doing things you know not used to uh, not not what they're normally used to. And then you have pitchers going out there throwing more. It's just it's taxing. It's on on a body from a guy who's playing all summer long. Like these guys play enough games as it is, you know, stacking them like this just makes it that much harder. And and you know can absolutely lead to uh, some kind of a freak injury or something. It's just they're just not good situations to have all the time. Can you imagine if this was happening to like the 2015 Yankees, the old broken down Yankees? It would be game over for them. At least these Yankee these Yankees are young and spry. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at least <laughs> at least they have some uh, some young bones to to do this. In 2015, I don't th- it wouldn't have mattered, but <laughs> it's like okay. But yeah, no, it's just uh, you know, it's it's the man trying to keep us down. I, you know, I'm not <laughs> the, I'm the not man. happy with this. Yeah, <laughs> you mean Mother Nature? <laughs> I'm not happy about this. Yeah, just quickly. So because of the Thursday rainout, the Yankees are playing July 9th uh, doubleheader against the Orioles. That means 11 games in 10 days leading up to the All Star break. And then the the uh, the Sunday rainout is a Saturday, August twenty fifth doubleheader, which means they play fourteen games in thirteen days at the end of August, early September, and like we talked about at the beginning of the season, so many rainouts they they're not playing consistently. It's all going to catch up to them at the end when they're not having off days when they should have off days, or they're having all of these games in such a condensed period of time. They're going to really have to ha- rely on their depth at that point, which we, we understand is a very big strength of this team. It might be the best depth in all of Major League Baseball, but it's going to be tested. Yeah, and that's that's one of the uh, the very good parts about the way that this team is constructed. They they are kind of built to handle something like this, even though not many teams should have to handle something like this. But you can't control what what the uh, when the when the heavens open up. For, but the fact that the Yankees do have so many different position players that can play different positions. I mean, from the beginning, uh, Aaron Boone and, and the Yankees have really stressed flexibility and the way um, if you can play multiple positions, you're more of a valued asset. I think at that point, and you know, you're seeing that all over the Yankees. You're seeing the depth in the bullpen. We've had guys like Jonathan Holder has come in and just really stepped up and uh, and filled the shoes of some of these guys that have been on the DL. So theoretically, yes, the Yankees can handle it. But again, you don't want to push it too far and find out if you can't. You know, you just don't want to get to that point. And they very well could with the uh, with the amount of games that they're going to have to play. All right, a couple housekeeping items before we get into everything. So the June 29th event against the Red Sox that is quickly approaching. We are now in the month of June. 84 bucks gets you a ticket in section 205 or 206. You get a t-shirt and the pregame party is going to be at the dugout with beer specials. And this is a really good deal because I was looking on StubHub today 
And the cheapest ticket in the section we're going to be sitting in is 135 bucks. And just to get in the gates right now, if you want to go to that game, it's over $60. And that's for like nosebleed tickets. So this is a really good deal we've got, we've got here. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the shirt's going to be sent out to everybody ahead of time, just like we did for the last one. That actually worked out really well. Everybody uh, got their shirts on time uh, well ahead of the schedule. And, uh, and this, the fact that you're in 20, it's most likely going to be section 205. That's kind of where we've been. And, 84 bucks for a Friday night Red Sox game. It's a premium game, so that's why it's more than the majority of our other... Uh, we have a couple premium games, but they're all a little bit more expensive than the regular ones. But again, the it's a it's a hell of a deal. They're a lot of fun. We're going to have the video coming out of the last one. I had a videographer at the last one, um, and he's going to... Uh, hopefully this week, we should have a couple different videos of the, uh, of the event so you guys can see it and get all hyped up and then go buy your tickets and save some money. Uh, if you do go to another game that weekend... You can actually go to SeatGeek because buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for every type of event, whether you are searching for a last-minute deal or planning a night out with your friends or need the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere in just a few taps. I can instantly get tickets. I actually use SeatGeek to buy the tickets to spring training, and obviously we had a phenomenal time. It's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. You get more bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value and help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Best of all, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX today. That's promo code BRONX for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So I know that we were just bitching about the weather and about the schedule, uh, all the doubleheaders, and I think that's legit to complain about because it's been uh, an unbelievable amount of bad luck the Yankees have had with the scheduling. But one thing I think fans need to stop complaining about is that the Red Sox have had an easier schedule than the Yankees. You've seen people bitching about this? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, it's something to lean on when they were in that long hit winning streak. It was fun to point at the fact that they didn't play anybody. Right. And it's also was, was even more of the reason that for Yankees to buy into this team when they were going uh, on that unbelievable run against teams like Houston and the Red Sox and, and, a, and a ton of other good teams. So that was great. But the reality is the American League sucks, except for the four teams at the top, Yankees, Red Sox, Houston, and Cleveland. If you want to throw Cleveland in there, they haven't had the success that we expect them to have this season, but we still think they're a top team. The rest of the league is pretty much garbage. You got Seattle, Oakland, Angels are all kind of hovering around, maybe competing for that second wild card spot, but over half the league is bad. So most of the time, you're going to be playing a bad team. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, we're going to hit a, a point in our schedule where it's going to be a lot easier and, and there's going to be a lot of these teams that are just no good. So um, we already expect how many wins against the Devil Rays? Is it 19, 18? How many times we play? And hey, them? we were mocking the, the, the Devil Rays. They're, they're 500. They're third in the division. They're yeah. bullpenning their way to, a, to third in the division. Bullpenning my ass. We haven't talked about this yet. Nathan Avaldi coming up and throwing six no-hit innings. I know. Did you, I know. See, did you see the, uh, the replay of him digging in his glove? <laughs> I did not. There is, there's, yeah, oh yeah, there's some zoomed in replays of him digging in his glove. He is definitely going for something in there. <laughs> you um, know what's amazing though? I looked 70 pitches in, in six innings. Yeah. Hey, he's, uh, d- dare I say, target at the trade deadline right there. Nathan <laughs> oh, Avaldi. The, uh, he, the guy, uh, look, I hope he does well because he, he seemed to be 
turning a corner when before he got hurt. He was pitching better, and, and he's always been one of those guys that I still thought he pitched pretty well when he was with the Yankees. He wasn't overly terrible. He didn't. He did it throw was a lot the of same pitches. Thing every time it was but, five innings, a hundred pitches, one or two runs. But, but it that's was, a, that's the thing. Like now, if we look at what's happening now, these guys are still throwing the same amount of pitches and and getting into the fifth and sixth. So it's the same thing. But at least he wasn't giving up any damn runs. Wouldn't we take that out of Sonny Gray right oh, now? Absolutely, like, I would take it all day long. <laughs> so in the same game, we had Nathan Evaldi throwing a no hitter and get pulled in the sixth inning, and Rob Ruff Snyder hitting a three run shot. It was like. I don't know how to handle this. You must have needed a towel after it was ridiculous, those and it was after the Yankees had finished, so it was a ten o'clock game. <laughs> yeah, so I was finished. able to see some of it. the 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 nice thing is 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 that we are going to be playing a lot of these teams that that obviously we've been playing some of the good teams in the American League. We haven't played a lot of these bottom feeding teams. We will play a lot of them in the American League East with the uh, with with the Devil Rays, with the Orioles, who have just ton of awful. ton of games in June against the Rays. So that's good, and and you know if the Yankees could take advantage of those, we're gonna see we're gonna see some uh, some some gaps put between either if the Red Sox continue their play or it's just gonna be a, a big gap between whoever that second wild card team is, and then you know the Yankees and the Red Sox will fight it out for the division. That's that's well, gonna be the interesting. Uh, I think that's gonna be the the most interesting chase at the end. Yes. Well, what's also amazing is that both the Yankees and Red Sox are on pace for like 108 wins. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. What I don't think I've ever seen two teams in at least since in the modern era. Maybe it happened in 1919 or something stupid, but that has not happened in, in recent memory. Well, the other uh, the the thing about them right now too is they're definitely going through some adversity. Mookie Betts is is down. Yeah, um, and he was having an MVP season. Absolutely. Pedroio is back. I mean, he I don't did he even make it back or was he hurt a couple in games. rehab? Yeah, so he's uh, he's going back on there. So you know they're they're going to be going through some stuff. Let's see if uh, if if they lose some games. But you know the Yankees are playing out of their minds right now, and they just need to continue it. As long as we can get on the field and play baseball, yeah. have have some uh, grown men throwing the ball back and forth, we'll be fine. And um, maybe another thing that the Yankees will luck out on is that when they play these doubleheaders against Baltimore later in the season, maybe they would have traded Manny Machado by that point. And Manny Machado just seems to hit home run every time he's up against the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, I literally, I, I didn't tweet that. I didn't tweet it. Uh, the the prediction that Tanaka was going to throw a home run ball, but I think every, uh, I'd say two thirds of the the Yankees Twitterverse and like people watching this game were like, oh, he's definitely going to uh, give up a home run ball right here. And when he went went down two zero in that in that count against Manny Machado uh, at the end of that game on Saturday, I, you knew it was going to be a home run. You just absolutely knew it because Tanaka was throwing the ball over the damn plate. Machado is on. Uh, he, he's I mean he's having a ridiculous year. Eighteen homers. Yeah, yeah. and leave, leave it to the Orioles to screw that situation up. They'll hold out. They'll keep him on the roster just to get that draft pick instead of trading away for a bunch of prospects. Well, if you remember when I had the conversation with the beat writer, she it was, was ridiculous. Like, she was like, "No, why would they trade him?" I'm like, "Okay, I'm not gonna have this conversation <laughs> with you anymore <laughs> because your rotation is filled with Gosman and Alex Cobb and a bunch of other Chris Tillman trash." Yeah, has Chris Tillman won a game yet? Is he still in the rotation? He was no clue. He had uh, he's just got off. I don't know how he's getting paid to to actually be a major league player. Uh, but let's just talk about Tanaka first because you had mentioned Tanaka. So the home run ball. I was listening to his post game press conference, and he he touched on that he gives up too many home runs. He gave up three home runs on Saturday. All of them were solo shots. So I guess that's a positive you could take away from it. But they were all on they all came on his primary pitches. Fastball to Joey Rickard, slider to Machado, splitter to Adam Jones. They were all mislocation. They were all hangers in the middle of the plate and he got pummeled. He he always he he says, I gotta give up fewer home runs. I've got to be better about that. 
But that has not changed, and it's not going to change. He's always been a guy who gives up a lot of home runs. Home runs per nine innings, 2014, one. 2015, 1.5. 2016, back down to one. Last year, 1.8. This year, 2.0. I understand home runs across the league are going up, but home runs in Masahiro Tanaka games are also going up, and that's I don't see that changing. No, it's it's part of... Uh, it, I mean, lately it's been part of his game, absolutely, because he's not been burying the pitches that he, you know, in the beginning of his career kept down in the zone so consistently. And and that's you're seeing 2014, the lowest number in there is is one, and then he had it back in 16 as well, one per nine. But see, the thing is, is like the Machado home run, as as anybody could have predicted, predicted it, he probably could have predicted it too, because the Yankees were up at that point. They're going uh, as a 2-0 count, and you know, and there's nobody on base, so you know he he just he throws strikes and tries to attack the hitters. Um, and if if someone's over the plate, if the ball's over the plate, and it's a two zero count down, uh, you know when they're when they're leading, like it, he's he, he I think he's okay with that at that point. But the problem for me is on Saturday if the Yankees were playing a better offense, if they had been up against a a team that was more formidable, and I don't know if this changes his mindset and allows him to do different things, but I was watching him throughout the game just leave balls over the plate, hang balls, uh, you know that were that were much higher than they needed to be. And, and guys were just missing them or not swinging at them. I'm like, wow, that ball would have been crushed if it was against, you know, a decent hitter at, at a point. I mean, we saw what Manny Machado did, but he's just doing, he's leaving too many balls over the plate when he's not meant to do it, when he's not meaning to do it. And, you know, if he, against a subpar team like this, he's not really getting taken, uh, taken down for it. But if he's doing this against better competition, he's going to get rocked. And I know he hasn't lost a game in his last eight starts. Yeah, but that's a fluke. It's I mean, just crazy. You're not numbers. seeing the. You're not seeing good Tanaka. You're really not. This is when you know all the all the advanced metrics guy was just trash on wins because he's five and zero in his last eight games, but his ERA is four point one seven. He's given up fourteen walks and ten home runs. By no means has Tanaka pitched great, but his record is great. So obviously we know it's not groundbreaking news. Wins does not always translate to how uh, a pitcher actually looked on the mound. But but I think you said jokingly before. Damn, if Sonny Gray had this kind of luck, <laughs> you might yeah, be. I'd be right well on, on my way to twenty wins. Yeah, this is kind of what I. You know, I, I didn't think he would have had to have been perfect. He could have thrown these numbers up and gotten some wins with the offense the way it's going. This is kind of what I thought would happen. But again, you're when you're going against better teams, this is not going to fly. Those pitches over the plate when when they're leaking over the plate when they're supposed to be on the outside corner or the inside corner and they're coming back over and and guys are able to square them up you when we're in bigger games and against better hitters it, they're just not going to work so i right. you know he needs to clean the shit up yeah and the the thing i look at i'm look i look you know you look at the replays of the home runs and like i said fastball slider and splitter they all came on different pitches so it's not like, oh, he could just chalk it up to, well, I didn't have my slider tonight and I got beat on my slider. He got beat on all of his primary pitches. And his fastball is not good enough to beat hitters if he misses location. It's just not. Well, and, you know, he's still doing those those motions, the ones I can't stand. Like, I can't stand his antics afterwards where he does, like, his hand motion. Like, oh, I didn't turn it over enough when I when I released it out of my hand. I'm like, you know what? Just stop doing that. Just just stop doing that because it looks stupid. It looks like you're not prepared. It just looks it, – it's a bad look when you're doing these things after a home run. Like, oh, it wasn't my fault almost. I, right. I, Do you I think- just can't stand it. You think that's just one of those, like, maybe it's a nervous tick or maybe it's I think it's it is just... a nervous tick. And that, and that, 
you know what? When you're a, a pro guy, when you're a professional baseball player and you're supposed to be one of the better pitchers on a team, I need you to get these nervous ticks out of your head. Like, but, you, you can't be <laughs> that. You can't be the guy that's having nervous ticks after after a ball is, you know, leaves your hand and then gets crushed. How about you forget about it and just be better? So you're okay. So you're on the golf course. You slice a ball into the woods. Do yeah. you slam your club down, or do you go? Okay, you do the motion. I got to turn my right hand over. I got to turn my right hand over to get a little drawn. Like what? What kind of person are you when you screw up uh, at something? I use my full name and I scream at myself. Okay, so Tanaka's not that type of person. We see no. other guys will scream into their glove or do something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see visible frustration. I don't want to see... Why? Because I want to see it because it's passion, and I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing a guy that doesn't look like he cares that much, and it pisses me off. Oh, See, if he was... And I'm not a professional golfer. He's a professional <laughs> baseball player. I'm a freaking... I've played twice in the past year and a half. Like, yeah, I get pissed off when I hit. But, you know, because because I suck. But that's... He's a professional baseball player on the New York Yankees. Fix your shit. Mm-hmm. God. I, I, I just think that we're looking at... That, that's a that's something that annoys you, but I just think that's the... That is how Tanaka deals with frustration. Yes, I know that. And it's, it's not just him. It's anybody who really shows visible... Um, like, not anger frustration, but like... Just like whiny frustration. That that's kind of what it is to me. It's like a little whiny frustration. Like, oh, I didn't turn it over enough. Like, you know, I just can't handle that. Bottle I love it up. the very rare times that Severino gets beat because he doesn't get beat much. I kind of love it. He's he's almost like has a a grin on his face. Like I'm not gonna let that happen again. See, I like that. That's confidence. There's confidence behind what he's doing, and you know, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in the way that you, uh, that you can attack things. And the, and I know it's personalities and different personalities are different. It doesn't mean it doesn't bother me, but you can see that, that he has a lot of confidence in his stuff. And like you said, if he smiles something off or says, you know, that ain't going to happen again. It's just, it just shows you how much confidence he has to forget about it and attack the next guy and, and be better at, with the next guy. Sonny Gray looked decent on Friday. Um, two out of his last three games have been good. One against the on pace to lose 100 games Kansas City Royals, and then another one on pace to lose 100 games Baltimore Orioles. And the one that he looked bad at was Sun or Saturday night BP outing against the Angels and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani lights camera action. Sonny Gray couldn't pitch well in that game, but you know he pitched well on the road against two crummy teams. Yeah, I mean, the same crummy teams, Kansas City uh, gave uh, Severino a little trouble, and obviously we saw Baltimore give um, Tanaka a little bit of trouble. So I know. The, these guys these guys can can hit sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just I'm just being a dick. The, the bottom line is is that we just had to see some some good things and, and we're talking about confidence and like things like that. That's Sonny Gray looked confident. He looked mm-hmm. like there was a little bit more uh, giddy up on that fastball. It looked like it was popping out of his hand. And I think that's what we saw in Kansas City. You know, I don't know if this is a thing where he's more comfortable on the road. Seems like it is where he could go away and, and just be more comfortable well, that's when concerning. he's on the away. It is concerning, but it seems like he is more comfortable on the road. The one thing, obviously, that jumped out looking at his line is zero walks. That's right. huge. That is huge. And when you're controlling the strike zone and you're Sonny Gray and you're attacking the strike zone, you're going to have good things happen. I mean, that's when we see him get into trouble. We see him get into trouble when he when he gets behind in the count, when he is walking guys, he gets runners on uh, by the walk. Like That's when he starts getting into trouble and getting in his own head and not executing pitches. The ball starts running over the plate. You know all these things that that we know that he's done that he's done when he struggles. A lot of it stems and starts because he is down in the count and he's not controlling his pitches. If Sonny Gray could control his pitches, he's got so many different pitches that he throws for different speeds and different angles and such. 
he's a de- he, he can be absolutely nasty, but he's got to control them. And, you know, he'd look like a confident guy. Yeah, and just look at the difference in the two outings. Against the Angels, he threw 86 pitches. He, get, he gave uh, basically four free passes because he hit a batter and walked three, and he only lasted three and two-thirds innings. And then Friday, 90 pitches, so essentially the same number of pitches, but no free passes. So that is, if we're just talking about um, very base-level black and white here with Sonny Gray, don't beat yourself. It right. sounds so simple, but that's where that's where Sonny Gray needs to be. That needs to be his mentality right now. It's just, how do I take baby steps here? Keep this shit simple and build on it. And that's the first thing he needs to concentrate every game. Don't beat, my, don't beat myself. And and for, for the Friday night game when he was pitching, you know, Machado's the guy who hit the home run. I mean, you tip your cap at that point. He's one of the best players in the league. And he hit a solo shot. You were still attacking him, but he got, the, you know, the bat on the ball. Nothing hurt. One nothing. It's fine. You move on. And that's exactly what he did. So I thought it was a big step for him just to say, okay, that, that's it. You know, recognize what just happened. You may, he may have made a good pitch, but Machado put a, a better swing on it. And he's the type of guy that, that can beat you. And, and if you know that and just tip your cap and then move on, you can, you can still have a very good outing. And that's exactly what he did. So, you know, look, we just need to see. It, it's, it's hard to get excited because you're just waiting for kind of the next thing. And it seems like every other start has been bad. So... You know, I think if he follows up another start with a with something uh, of quality, then we can get closer to saying, okay, maybe Sonny is starting to get back here. How close do you think Boone was getting to tossing away the personal catcher thing? Like, say Sonny Gray had gone out there against Baltimore and gotten shelled like he did against Anaheim. Do you think he would have tossed the the whole Romine personal catcher thing away? I don't know. I don't know what the leash is on that on that situation. Um, because if they're both talking about it and everybody keeps saying his stuff is good, his stuff is good, his stuff is good, his stuff is good. And, and you know, if he's, his stuff is still good and he's just having either bad luck or he's just not, you know, whatever is happening, but he's still throwing well from on their, from what they think uh, to Romine, then, you know, I don't know if they're going to change it. As a fan, when you're looking at it, it, you know, and you see these every other starts a bad start, like why, why is it better with Romine? I don't get it. That what makes everything easier right now is that Romine is hitting the ball very yeah. well. So, we have a we have a mailbag question, uh, one of the hottest takes we've ever received to to the podcast mailbag. So it's a little tease for you. But I was actually uh, listening. Flaherty was talking after the game about personal catchers, and because he was Randy Johnson's personal catcher, and he brought up something interesting. He said Posada actually once he got over the fact that okay, this is the reality. He liked the fact that it was person that. He knew when his day off was going to be because he could plan his workouts and he could mentally just prepare. I'm going to be off when Randy Johnson's pitching. I don't have to worry about looking at the lineup. It's a different angle to the whole personal catcher thing that we didn't really consider. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's um, I think that's relatively valid. If you if you uh, as a catcher and you finally are at that point where you're like, okay, this is this is a reality. So hey, let's look at the good part. I can schedule my day off now. You know, massage on this day. So you know, there's there's different things you could look at, but as a competitor. As the starting catcher of the Yankees, you want to have control of your guys. You want to be the guy that they're going to throw to. Like that's that's a deal. That's a big deal. It's a the the battery is an important thing because what's going to happen? And we've talked about this a million times. But what happens if there's if there's such a comfort level at that point, and you're at you're in the game four of an ALCS and Sonny Gray's pitching? You're not going to have Gary Sanchez in the in the lineup. You're not going to have your best lineup in there because Alcer Romine has to catch him. Like that's yeah. where the problems start happening is when you have really big games and you got to leave a bat out. And and in particular with this because Gary Sanchez is such a valuable bat, 
Um, at right, catcher, we're not talking you can about have other guys in there. We're not talking about your average starting catcher offensively. I mean, right. I understand Gary Sanchez is struggling, but he's a beast. And when he is not struggling, he's one of the best offensive players in the game. So that's what you're talking about losing out of your lineup. Absolutely. But they did it in 09 with uh, Burnett. Uh, um, Molina caught Burnett in the playoffs. So I they, mean, I'm just saying, my point and, is, and the, it's, it's the drop off between Posada to Molina was like a million mile gap. So they, but they, they did it. There's also a big difference between uh, the two of them at that point in their career defensively. I mean, defensively, you're looking at Molina was uh, was was a was a damn good defensive catcher the, and, and could throw runners out very well. The look, I, I understand that it could work and, that, and it has worked in the past. You just don't want to be put in a predicament where, let's say you're going up against a really hard lefty at that point, and you need all the right-handed bats in the lineup. And you're, you have to sub, now you have to have Romine in instead of Gary Sanchez. Like That's a big deal. That's why I think Boone and the Yankees should make it a point to sprinkle in a handful of Gary Sanchez uh, starts with Sonny Gray over, through the rest of the season. Maybe not now. Get him on a roll first. His next game is going to be on the road in Toronto. He's scheduled to pitch, uh, I believe, Wednesday in Toronto. You're going to have Austin Romine catching him. But say he builds on this start and has a good June. I think you got to go back to Gary Sanchez a couple times throughout the rest of the season. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think they're just trying to be, at this point, they're, they're trying to fix Sonny. That's the bottom line. Like, number one That's priority the biggest right issue now right now is yeah. fix Sonny Gray. Once Sonny Gray gets back and rolling, and it's got to be a few starts, you know, there's got to be a, a relatively significant gap I th- or time frame, I think, when he's back. So that you can't, if he does go out there and throw, uh, you know, just a, a bad outing to Gary Sanchez the one time he does, that he can use that as an excuse. Like, you don't want that situation to occur at the same time. So it's a, it is a delicate situation. And the longer it goes, it becomes just more complicated, I guess. It's, it's complicated. It's a complicated relationship. And I realize we spend a lot of time each episode on Sonny Gray, but I think that's because of how important he is to how far this team goes this season and what they do at the trade deadline. Because if Sonny Gray can get back to what they expect Sonny Gray to be, that totally changes, first of all, what they have to do at the trade deadline and then what this team is in October. I mean, he's such an important cog in this team because the biggest weakness, everybody knows it. It's not a secret. Everybody knows the biggest weakness on this team is the starting pitching. Throw away Severino because we know what he is. He's a dominant ace. We got one. Everybody else after that is kind of an unknown. We don't really know what we're going to get from CC on a given basis. He could he could you know get an injury and be gone for the season at any point. He's he's you know with his age and and knees and just he could also fall off a cliff with his you know athletic abilities like all these things can happen. Tanaka has been very inconsistent. Is he going to bounce back and have the the very good you know closing second half of the year that he did last year? Uh, Sonny Gray is such an important part because when he came over when they made this trade they were expecting him to be one of the definitive parts of this rotation and he's supposed to be that number two guy. No doubt about it. He's supposed to be that guy that they can rely on. At least at least two guys that they can rely on. And when he's not there, there's so much in flux now. But yes, you're right. If he comes back and he's starting to throw the way he's capable of, and it's the guy that they thought they were getting, totally changes the dynamic of, of uh, how you look at the starting pitching. 
Right, and they still need to get a pitcher. Even if Sonny Gray turns back into 2015 Sonny Gray, they're still going to get a pitcher. Yeah. But it changes what level of pitcher I think they might need to get and how desperate they are to get that pitcher. Because they could say, we don't need to be desperate anymore and give up our top prospects. We can, we can play a little. We can have the upper hand instead of the other team have the upper hand at the trade deadline. Yeah, and I mean, you got to believe the Yankees are going to have rel- some some decent leverage no matter what, just because of the amount of talent that they do have. You know, they're going to be able to. Well, see, I actually it. think that I think that gives them. Well, they, I guess they can it offer depends more. how you look at it. Yeah, they can offer they, more. Absolutely, but, I, mean, I but, see what you're saying. I know what you're about to say. You're about to say that everybody knows they have big talent, can't sign them all, so they have to get rid of some people, right? And, and, and can go out there. I mean, yes, that's true. But at the same time, they have more talent than anybody. The depth in the farm system still, which is unreal. And really a true testament to what they've done over the past five years. But it's it's so deep that they have um, you know a lot of flexibility in what they can do. And yes, they do have to move some guys at some point. Uh, but you know, I, I think Brian Cashman is is in a point where he can probably offer more than than most guys, even if it's not their their best offer. Yeah, I think the Yankees are in a in an unbelievable position at the deadline. And just look what they gave up last year for Sonny Gray. Three guys in the top fifteen in their system. And yep. their system is still very, very strong. Still in the top five as far as like MLB pipeline is concerned. Yep. Most systems could not handle that. You lose three guys out of your top 15, that's going to be a big hit. Not, not for how this system was set up. No, and I mean, you look around the infield too, and, and you have, there's a lot of young talent on the major league roster. So what, the, what does that do to the minor leaguers? Well, there's, there's, there's definitely some blocks here and, and some guys that are not going to be able to, to move much further. So there's very obvious situations now. Um, that where the Yankees have to make some moves. I found it interesting that Buck Showalter found it in his cold, dead, miserable heart to compliment the Yankees manager Aaron Boone. He said, look at the American League leaders in games pitched and you won't see any Yankees. That's the sign of a well-managed bullpen. So Chapman, 24 games, 24.1 innings. Batances, 23 games, 25 innings. Green, 23 games, 28 innings. D-Rob, 27 games. That's the most, 26 and two-thirds innings. And then Holder, 17 games, 19 innings pitched. We did criticize Boone at the start of the season, less for how uh, he was distributing work and just why he was giving high-leverage spots to certain guys. But as we've the sample size has grown, we're two-plus two months into the season, he has done a good job. Clearly, that's part of what he was brought in here to do. I'm sure a lot of this is not just Aaron Boone. It's the analytics department and the front office behind him giving him stuff to work with. But he's distributed the workload. Well, you know, it's funny because the the reason that people were getting all over him and you say giving certain guys high leverage situations. Jonathan you know, Holder. Those certain guys were one guy and his name was Jonathan Holder. Yeah. So he saw the talent and, and we know what he, what he saw out of spring training. He saw a guy that could contribute. Struggled out of the gate, hundred percent, but came back and and he's been like phenomenal. He's been one he's of their back. best relief pitchers yeah. probably for the last month. So I, you know, when you're looking at that, I think we need to go back in time and actually credit Boone with with a, a little bit of a, that golden eye. Well, and no, see the because talent. because no, he saw the talent out of he saw the and talent, saw guy. but he also saw that a guy struggled his last two outings in a row, why then use him in the eighth inning of a one-run ball game? That makes no sense. So the bottom, He had a lot of confidence in this guy and, and, and liked okay. his stuff and liked the the ability of the kid and trying to get the confidence of the kid. And, and that's something we talked about in the beginning of the season. There's a there's a situation also that Boone is in where he's also got to you know throw his confidence behind guys. And, and he's a new manager on a new team, on a young team, and, and a new manager, period. So he's got to show these guys that 
that even if they struggle a little bit, he's going to go back to them and show that he has belief in them. Because what does that do? That gives confidence to that guy and, and knows and shows him that, 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 hey, your manager has confidence in you each time you go out there. And if your name is called, he expects you to do a good job. So I, I get it. Like, I understand the part. But the fact is, is that he did see this talent early on. He and Rothschild and whomever else who had the had the uh, was in the in the room talking about the the, the bullpen and these guys. And, you know, it's paid off because he's he's really come about and stepped up when the Yankees have absolutely needed him when all these injuries happen. So it's a big deal for Jonathan Holder to be where he is right now. And with Warren returning soon, Canely recently returned, that should be able to help even spread out the workload even more. Yeah. What we, so the, the debate that you and I were, were talking about beforehand, like where where's the... Where's the difference here when you're talking about what Buck Walter said, saying it's well-managed because you're you're seeing uh, none of the guys at the top for games pitched, but some of these guys are also throwing more innings, and that was also one of the, the early things that we had to kind of get used to with Aaron Boone. He's definitely letting his guys go longer, especially Dallin Batantis. He's been going into the second inning more often, and the second inning has been a disaster practically every time. So now that these other guys are coming back, Maybe we'll get back to Batantis at one inning and, you know, maybe then we can throw in Canely or throw in Warren or Holder for at this point. So it's, maybe we're scaling things back a little bit. Too. Right. It's in, it's an interesting way to look at it. Like a lot of times you would just look at uh, how many innings did the guy pitch? Did he get overworked because how many innings? But maybe for relief pitchers, it's less about innings and more about how many days do you have to get up and throw? Yeah, and if you're kinda throwing kind of goes back to B whips. Yeah, it does. If you're throwing uh, less days, but the same amount of innings or even more innings, maybe that's less stress on your arm than throwing every day, every you know four out of five days or whatever it is. Yeah, no, I mean, it very well could be. I think when you get up and, and you start the, the, the process of getting warm and doing all the stretching and then really getting your body going uh, to come into a game, whether you come into a game or not, uh, that that process is taxing. Uh, so I, I do think that there's there's more to that. It's you know starting the engine, stopping the engine, starting the engine, stopping the engines. I think that definitely uh, plays a role. Doubleheader in Detroit on Monday in a couple hours as you guys are listening to this. Does not look like rain's in the forecast, so that's good. Knock on wood. Uh, the rain out on Sunday actually helps the Yankees pitching situation because they get to go Severino game one, Herman game two. Boone had talked to Francesa last week uh, on the radio and said they were going to plan on calling up someone from Scranton to make that start. Did not name who it was. David Hale was the guy who lined up. Uh, I was thinking maybe Josh Rogers because Rogers has pitched really well. Both of those guys would have had to been added to the 40-man roster, but I guess we'll never know now that they don't need, need to do it. Yeah, no, it helps, I think, with the, the roster management at least, and the, we don't have to see David Hale come up. Again, right. <laughs> that's, that's positive. Uh, Detroit's second in their division, but they're under 500. So that just goes back to the thing earlier we were talking about. The American League has a lot of crappy teams. Yeah, the American League Central is a dogfight for who's going to stay above 500 the longest. It's, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Indians. Well, you got to Indians... imagine the Indians will pull away this summer. I, I think mean, they're too point, talented not yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. I think at some point the Indians are definitely going to... To you know, hit a streak. I mean, what what was the hit the freaking ridiculous streak last year? And that very well could have skewed you know that long streak. You know what they look like at the end. Um, uh, yeah, they but they're big, I mean World Series run. the year before that. I mean, shit. They're they a good go team. 80, Bottom line, they're a good team. They could win 81, 82 games and probably win that division. But I still think they're going to win ninety games. Yeah, I think so too. I think they will definitely hit a streak and, and start playing well. But yeah, the uh, it's a it's a it's a struggling uh, it's a struggling team or a struggling uh, division for sure. 
Uh, then the Yankees go to Toronto for two games. Sabathia and Sonny are lined up to pitch those games. The Blue Jays, and I remember when we talked to Arden Zwelling, who uh, has a podcast up up uh, for the Blue Jays in our pregame, uh, preseason stuff, he was talking about how the, the Blue Jays' rotation was going to have to carry them, and it hasn't. They're 25th in Team ERA with 4.78. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, you need you need those guys, uh, the Aaron Sanchez, uh, Strowmans. You need those guys to have good seasons in order for that team to do well. They kind of had a mishmash of uh, of off- offensive add-ons in the off season, and you know they they lost some guys too. So Tulowitzki is the is he even playing. I don't even know. He's if he is, he's been a, he's a shell of himself. The guy is just forever injured. It seems like at this point. So their offense is just not the uh, the same, and obviously their pitching is not the same either. No. Uh, Quick thing before we get on to mailbags and stuff. MLB draft starts on Monday. I'm not even going to pretend to talk about guys in the draft, college baseball players, because I don't know anything about it. It'll be interesting to see who the Yankees take, what position they take. I know they've drafted a lot of pitchers early on in the round. They drafted Clark Schmidt, who actually we talked to on the podcast last June. So if you guys missed that, I know we have a lot of new listeners since then. Go back to last June. Check it out. We did like 15 minutes with Clark Schmidt. Uh, maybe we'll try and get whoever the Yankees draft again on the show, uh, but I'm sure you know next episode we'll we'll talk about who who the Yankees picked. Yeah, we'll you figure out who these guys are. Right, right. That's the big thing. You want to uh, give away a T-shirt? Yeah, let's do it. So we said that we were going to give away some T-shirts in the re- ratings and reviews. It's been a few weeks, so got one here. And again, thanks guys for rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, again, you know, it does help us out like tremendously. This is one of the big reasons or big ways that you can help us. Uh, one is tell everybody you know who's a Yankees fan to come listen to us. That's that's important because a, uh, a nice little referral um, definitely helps guys get onto some shows. But rating and reviewing us in iTunes is big because that's how we get bumped up and stay up in the rankings uh, for the top 100 in uh, sports and recreation, which we uh, we definitely are, are in quite a bit. So again, really do appreciate it. It does help us out, and we see them all. So thanks, guys. Uh, this one is from I am I am Gus two two six. He says uh, I used to listen to Francesa for my main, for my New York sports. Then he retired, and I need another way to hear about the Yankees, even though Mike's retirement was shorter than a sunny gray outing. <laughs> I continue to listen to these guys multiple times every week. They give great hot takes and have built a rapport only matched by John and Susan. He says, I will leave it up to you guys to uh, to say who which one is Susan in the relationship. Oh, my God. Then he called me Susan. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he did. Son of a bitch. Hashtag Scott is Susan. I didn't even see that until I read it. Oh, I knew it was there, and I was just waiting for you to read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Susan's a wonderful lady. Yeah, I love I love John and Susan. Uh, John can't. I mean, you know what Susan is? She's the the brains and the eyes of the whole operation. Oh well, she's certainly the eyes. I don't know about the brains. Oh yeah, she's certainly the <laughs> brains and the eyes of the operation. <laughs> John, John Sterling is like a mere puppet at this point. Uh, thank you, uh, Gus or whatever your actual name is. Uh, DM us or contact us on Facebook. Prove that you left that review, and we will get you a T-shirt. All right, guys. Uh, if you're someone who struggles to sleep at a comfortable temperature, the all-new Dual Temp Individual Layer is the innovation you've been waiting for, and I'm talking about sleep number beds here. Cooler or warmer, you decide. Just add the Dual Temp Layer to either side of the bed and sleep up to 35% cooler or warmer. The Dual Temp Layer can be added to any mattress brand. It doesn't have to be a sleep number bed. Select from temperature levels uh, at the touch of a button. 
finally, uh, bliss, uh, finally, the blissful cooling comfort you deserve at a comfortable price. Come in and feel the temperature difference for yourself. With summer coming up, it's hot and humid. It's getting hot and humid in New York, so definitely need to cool down the bed. You'll only find the dual temp layer at sleepnumber.com or any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find a store near you. Again, sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. Let's get to some mailbags. First one up is Nico. What would you guys think of Warren as the fifth starter until Montgomery uh, is back? This allows Herman to be used as a long man out of the pen in shorter bursts where he seems to be more effective. A quick, uh, before you answer, Scott, uh, about Warren. So he was with the Yankees in Baltimore, obviously not activated. Uh, He expects to be activated very soon. He made a short rehab in the minors. I believe he threw eight innings in the minors. So it's interesting because we were actually going to talk about this last last show. We were uh, just, you know, talk, you and I were talking either before or after we recorded about Adam Warren and, you know, how they potentially could use him. And I, I think Nico has a, a decent point here uh, with the, the fact that they could use Warren as a uh, as a starter at some point. I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And, and the reason I say this is because, one, Herman. Uh, you know, pitched, I think, one of his better games the last the last game out. And uh, wh- while his the total results weren't there, if you look at the the way that he threw and um, and you broke down the actual, you know, just everything he did on that day, he actually looked really good and, and had some bad luck. So I, I don't I don't think they're going to give up on Herman at that point. Adam Warren is coming back from an injury. I, I could see them stretching him out and being that long guy. But wouldn't um, they do that in the minors? They would do that in the minors, so and that's that's the reason why I don't think immediately that's going to happen. I think that he could, you know, stretch out at some point, but I don't think they're gonna. I think from now, right now, the way it's going to happen is Herman's going to be the guy until Montgomery comes back, and if Montgomery, for whatever reason, you know, hits a uh, uh, something on his recovery that that doesn't go right and he takes longer, then I could see them trying to make a move. But you know, we're in June. Uh, the, the the trade deadline is, I know, looming uh, in next month. You never know when a trade can drop. So I, I wouldn't, uh, if we saw some something with Montgomery happen or, you know, extend, if he wasn't going to come back, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees made an, an earlier move too. Yeah, you kind of touched on it with Herman. One stat that stands out is his whiff percentage. Uh, so basically how many swings and, missed, swings and misses does he get? He's at a 34% clip, which is fourth among starting pitchers who have thrown at least 200 pitches. Fourth, yeah, and his last start, actually, the one he lost was, I think, one of the better, one of the better starts on the season. He he got a lot of swing and misses, right? And so that means his stuff plays. So the results might not be there. Does because... Sunny listen, is Sunny listening to this? Because that's <laughs> that actually does translate into good stuff. Hey, hey, your your stuff is good when people swing and miss. That's good stuff. I like that it. Is. That's a really good way to determine if you have good stuff on a given day. Some might say uh, toolsy. Is he toolsy? Yeah. Yeah, toolsy guy. I love it. Lots of swings and misses. Right. But I think what we're seeing with Herman is a guy whose stuff plays in the major leagues, but is a rookie. And he's going to get himself into trouble like we saw in the two starts prior uh, to the last one, which was decent. Uh, Last one was against Houston. It was decent. The two before that, I know one was against Texas, and I can't remember who the other one was against. But he got himself into trouble, and he just could not dig himself out. He gave up six runs in each of them. But when you pitch against the Astros and can get the kind of swings and misses that he got, it shows potential. Yeah. So I understand he's not been great. His, his overall line does not look great. But but I think what the Yankees are looking at is the swings and misses, the stuff is there, we're not giving up on him. 
exactly. I mean, you could look back. At, you could look back. You want to if you want to see some uh, a guy that was getting swings and misses, but also would not have very good lines and and would get into some trouble. And people wanted to throw back in the bullpen. Circle, uh, circle, Luis Severino, our number one guy. I mean, when you're, you're their stuff is different. They're different types of pitchers. But you know, he was a young guy that had to really build that confidence up and and figure out who he was as a starting pitcher. And I think Herman is doing that too. I think there's there's going to be a, a, a level of... And I think now because Montgomery's injury happened, he does have a leash to figure this out. And I do believe that the Yankees like him uh, as a pitcher. So, you know, this is a guy that could potentially, you know, level up his game. He's got the potential to do it. When you see those numbers, that 34%, like that's extremely telling. When So if you can add some consistency to that and, and actually start you know putting those out with more of a consistent level on each individual start, then you have a very, very good starting pitcher. And the biggest weakness, like we discussed earlier in this team, is the starting pitching. So if you have a guy that's potentially on the cusp of being very good and improving the worst part of your team, you stick with him. You want to know the three pitchers ahead of him? Um, Max, Scher- I, I, Max Scherzer. Be big no- numbers, big names, I bet. Max Scherzer, number one. Would you, do you think he's a good pitcher? He's pretty good, yeah. Maybe he, the best pitcher in baseball. Love, the, love when, uh, the way he wears his emotion on his sleeve. Yeah, Robbie Ray for Arizona. Okay. And then Shohei Otani. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. <laughs> but but in the top ten, you got Patrick Corbin, Chris Sale, Jacob, De, uh, Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole. Syndergaard's number 11, so big names up there getting swings and misses. It, it, it means something. It's, a, it's actually a very good stat to be uh, high in the rankings. It's a, it's a good stat, and... I think what we've seen is just inconsistencies with him. And, and, you know, once he once he smooths that stuff out, if he can do that, then he could be a very good starting pitcher. Do you think the Yankees would ever entertain the opener, like uh, what the Rays are doing with their bullpen, uh, with Adam Warren or maybe some other guy, and then, as Nico said, use Herman in the third through sixth innings or third through seventh innings? You know, the problem with that is that is that you, there's so many other guys in this rotation right now that are not going deep into games. You're, you know, if you're going a bullpen day, then you may be taxing your bullpen big time for you know one of these other starts where these guys are going five innings. Or, you well, it's know, not getting, necessarily getting a into the sixth bullpen inning. day because you know Herman's going to pitch. But what you're doing is the theory is say you're facing uh, the Red Sox and you've got Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts and a bunch of right-handed hitters at the top of the order in the first inning. You want to use someone who can neutralize them, and who knows? Maybe it is Herman. I got to look at his splits, but but you understand what I'm saying? Like you can bring in a big righty there to yeah, get I those guess out. You. You're channeling your inner Brian Kenny. I, I know what's happening here. I, yeah. I don't like it. I'm not a fan <laughs> of this whole thing. Sure. I think different guys when they're in different situations pit, pit, also pitch differently. You know, I think there is something to a guy coming in at a specific, like a, a a normal time. It doesn't have to be the same inning every time. But just the, the way that they get ready, the way that they're doing things throughout a game, like I think all that stuff does matter to some extent. So I'm not a big fan of it. And maybe it's just me being old-fashioned and not liking the optics of it because I don't like that either. Mm-hmm. But I do think it, at some point it does affect the way that guys prepare. All right, what's up next? Next is from, uh, from Aaron. He's at Aaron, E-R-O-N underscore P-W-P. With Sonny Gray's good start this week and his frequent inconsistency in your opinions, what kind of numbers does he need to have at the end of the year that would make you feel comfortable with Gray's pitching in the postseason? Uh, or ha- is that too far gone at this point? So uh, similar to – so first of all, I want to compare Sonny Gray through June 1st of this year and Tanaka through June 1st of last year. So Sonny Gray this year, 11 starts, 55.2 innings, 550 ERA. 
272 batting average against 28 walks, which is horrendous. Seven home runs. Tanaka last year was actually worse somehow than Sonny Gray has been this year. The 11 starts as well, 61 innings, 6.34 ERA. Holy shit. 302 batting average against 17 walks and 14 home runs allowed. And Tanaka was able to turn the season around. He pitched well June, July, August, and September, and then really pitched well in October. So it's less about what Sonny Gray's final numbers look like at the end of the year and more about how does he look in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely, 100% agree. It, it's all about how he rebounds from this slow start. And and you're looking at those numbers, and they're pretty close, actually. They're, they're, they're pretty... Uh, Pretty comparable. I mean, I think the, the biggest glaring difference is the walks with Sonny Gray and then the home runs with Tanaka. And those home runs seemed like they were coming every other pitch with Tanaka. In the All against the, the Astros. Oh, yeah, on Derek Jeter Day. Way <laughs> to ruin everything, Tanaka. But the, uh, the, the fact that Sonny Gray, you know, if he could put more together, uh, again, we, you got to go back to the track record. I mean, that's, at this point, what you have to look at is what, he's, what has he done in the past? Who is this guy? Who do we think he is? What can he be? So I, I, I'm not going to look at the end of the year numbers to know and to, the, you know, for my comfort level and how uh, well he'll pitch in October. I got to see how he's pitching in August and September and leading up to that. You know, if he's back at that point and he's the guy that, you know, every, that, that David Ortiz couldn't talk enough about being one of the nastiest pitchers in the American League, then I'll feel very comfortable with him going out there. But, you know, what have you done for me lately? That's the biggest thing with these pitchers. And if he doesn't, if he's pitching to a 550 ERA in no, September, well, breaks. guess what? He, he's not getting any starts in the playoffs. He's probably not even in the rotation anymore if he's no. still pitching to a 550 ERA. No, no, hit breaks at that kid. I mean, if, if he continues <laughs> this, he needs to really step it up. He needs, to, he needs to start being the guy that everybody thinks he can be. So, Actually, I don't even think anybody thinks he can be anything anymore. I might be alone on an island at this point. No, I'm not giving up on him. No, I know nobody. A lot of people are. A lot of people already have. So totally written, written them off. They're the same people who are giving up on Stan. I mean, the fact to me that's a ludicrous thing. I mean, you look at Stanton's numbers, and yeah, he. You watch the games, and some of his at bats have been terrible. He's still been productive. He's still hitting like what two fifty. It's not. He's not. He's not having the worst season. He still has a whole bunch of home runs and a bunch of RBIs. Like the guy is actually productive still, even though he has looked terrible. So what's 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 going to happen when he does start getting hot? And these numbers are going to be ridiculous. But yeah. You, you're, you can't give up on Sonny Gray at this point because we're seeing glimpses of of a good pitcher. And, and when you see that, then you're like, okay, well, he's there somewhere. Can we just get him out all the time now? Right. Next up is from Ryan. He says, Glaber ran out of his shoe trying to get a triple. What's the worst piece of equipment or clothing to lose while trying to run the bases? Yeah, the uh, I mean, I'd say a shoe is pretty bad. You lose a cleat when you're running around bases where cleats are actually helpful. I'd say that's one of the one of the the top things that you could lose that would affect what you're doing. Jock strap, cup, cup I mean, it just flies out. <laughs> it's yeah. you in the face. <laughs> I guess, but that would be really hard to do. I don't even know how it would. Your jock strap. You're just happen. sprinting so hard around second. Who the base, hell wears jock a jock strap anymore? Your jock strap. This isn't snaps. 1975. I don't know. What do they wear? They wear, I haven't, um, they're like briefs at this point. Yeah. Those things don't oh, snap yeah. I think off. That's, that's what I did wear in high school now that I think about it. Dude, jock straps haven't been worn in a very long time. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't worn a cup since high school, so. Yeah, I mean, I wear a cup every time I play softball still because I'm not trying to get hit in the nuts on bad very uh, smart fields of you. playing softball. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not stupid. You don't want to take. You want to take a bad hop at, at third base or no off, off a rock or something. No right hell to the no. I, we don't have Yankee Stadium groomed fields at softballs. It's softball yeah. fields and adult softball. It just doesn't happen that way. There are rocks everywhere. So yeah, I you know I'm, I'm wearing a cup. Um, uh, 
Can we but also yeah. mention though that was bad base running by Glaber? It was terrible. I mean, he's sh- look. First of all, I I know a lot of people were looking at it and and he bobbled the ball. Like that's fine. You, I see what you're trying to do there, and you're trying to say that he can he can take advantage of that. One, he did not have any like the turnaround. First was bad. The turnaround second was bad. There were choppy steps. He just didn't have a good base path at that point, and he should never have tried to do that. There were no outs. Again, like it's funny because I tweeted this about if that was anybody else who did that, they would have been murdered on Twitter. Absolutely destroyed on Twitter. If that was Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks, people would just be telling telling them to send him down, trade him for a bag of balls. But because it was Glaber Torres, because it's you know the uh, the the young kid that everybody loves, everybody's like, all right, he's just being aggressive. <laughs> I was going to say they wouldn't kill Aaron Judge, but then I realized Aaron Judge wouldn't have made that base running mistake. Judge is the other guy that nobody <laughs> would have killed. Yeah, But he would have stayed at second. He would have stayed at second. Yeah. Uh, Glaber was also hit in the wrist. Uh, looked ugly at first, but he stayed in the game. And actually probably, I, I bet he would have not been in the lineup on Sunday, if I had to guess. But the day off probably helps him. Yeah, not a bad thing. I mean, it's it, when you see what happened and the fact that he did stay in the game, you're uh, you're thanking your lucky stars at that point. All right, what's up next? Next is from uh, Chocolate Thunder at Nerdy McGurdy. I have always had this inkling that the Yanks will trade Stanton after the season to the Dodgers and sign either Harper or Machado. Do you think this is a realistic possibility? Stanton, Sanchez, and Judge are all similar players, and I feel like the Yankees would prefer Harper and Machado. I can tell by the, the, <laughs> the inflection in your voice you don't like this one. No, nah, I'm just sick of hearing about these things. It's Look... No, no, that's not going to happen. They're not so going to trade Stanton. Uh, again, I, I, I think the, the struggles of Stanton, it, look at his production, look at the numbers, they're actually not that bad. They're actually pretty damn productive. Yes, when we watch him, it's frustrating and sometimes painful because of the way that he looks when he swings a bat, first off. Yeah. And then he looks lost at some points. Just, you just it. can't make it. Uh, but, but you know what? The numbers are still there. So the reason I, I wanted to do this this one is because uh, he says Stanton, Sanchez, and Judge are all similar players, and I actually disagree with that, especially Judge and Stanton. We thought the same thing all winter. We were saying similar players. They can feed off one another. They can they can help each other with their batting stance, and they can they can talk about how pitchers are attacking them, blah, blah, blah. But don't you just watching them every day now for two-plus months, the, the consistency in Judge's at-bats – are are so much at a so much higher level than Stanton's, and maybe that's just Stanton hasn't got going yet. But Judge is walking at a seventeen point six percent rate, which is outrageous. Stanton's only walking at an eight point six percent rate. I understand their strikeout percentages are similar and all that stuff, but Judge's patience at the plate—he's never out of his mentality. He's going to take the pitches. He's making the pitcher work. Sometimes Stanton goes up there, swings at the—he's in swing mode, slider in the dirt. He's gonna swing at it no matter what. We don't see that out of, out of Judge. No, we don't. I think they're, you know, with their mindset and the way that they approach the, uh, you know, a given at bat, they're different. I still think there's, there's, I mean, the obvious comparables in the size and the way that the uh, the strike zone is and all these things. But their swings are totally different. They're totally different. Their stances are totally different. So there are a lot of very big differences. Yes, they're same sizes ish, but the uh, the way that they approach things are very different. And and you know what? Like even the way that, that Gary Sanchez's approaches things, I think are very different compared to um to Stanton. I, I think there's there's still a when Gary Sanchez is on, like he's one of the better pure hitters. If he's staying in his strike zone, he's I mean he could put bat to ball at any point. Stanton can't do that. 
Stanton just can't do that. It seems like he has real struggles getting uh, getting contact with with certain pitches. And you know, Sanchez when he's going is not that kind of guy. Well, that's actually a perfect segue. Last mailbag question. John from Rome, upstate New York. I think Romine should be given the opportunity to be the starting catcher. His numbers are looking a lot better than Sanchez's. <laughs> this is adorable. This is funny. This is, you know, look, I mean, again, talk about what have you done for me lately. But yes, Austin Romine is is much better than he's really improved his offense. Like you got to give a lot of credit to Austin Romine for improving his offense. It's a big deal because he can now be... Uh, uh, you know, right now he is a, a, I'd say a good offensive player right now. I mean, he's, he's going up there having some good at bats and he's doing very well and you're, you're getting some good defense out of him. So it's a huge deal. They're not remotely close to the same caliber of offensive player though. Not even close. So people are just overreacting to a hot streak here. 10 game hitting streak. He's slashing 483, 545, 931. So if you tell me that Austin Romine is that player for the rest of the season, then yes, he should be the starting catcher. But he's not. And even Aaron Boone knows he's not because he was asked the question before one of the games the other days and and talking about how he challenged Austin Romine before in spring training to be a better offensive player. And that's a great story. Romine ran with it and the confidence and blah, blah, blah. And one of the reporters said, but did you really expect this from Romine? And Boone paused and was like, we don't know what this is. He's hot right now and that's great. And, And he's really staying within himself and he's made adjustments. But it's 30 plate appearances. And it's 30 plate appearances for Sanchez the other way, slashing 069, 206, 069. So we're going to make a decision over 30 plate appearances? Like, come on. You, you just can't do that. You just absolutely can't do that. And and I think what people have to do, and they're they're even they're making this this, this comparable shouldn't even be happening. It's not it's not fair. It's not a fair comparison. What people should be doing right now is just praising Austin Romine for upping his game to a point where where now he is. Uh, not a liability at the play. I don't. I wouldn't say he was a liability before, but he's definitely really improved. Like he needs, a, he deserves a lot of credit. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be in this conversation of who's better, him or Gary Sanchez. Because even Austin Romine would tell you a hundred times that he's not even remotely close to the offensive player that Gary Sanchez is. So it's not even fair to go in there and, and say something like this. You know, it's just there needs to be just credit for what Romine is doing. And you know, we've seen hot streaks before. We've seen these guys. Go off and just go absolutely nuts. Pretty sure Shelly Duncan hit a whole lot of home runs for the New York Yankees. You know, like this, there are people that can get hot in short amount of time, and then, and then their 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 true colors do come out at some point. Not right. saying that Austin Romine's going to fall off a cliff. He's definitely better, but he's not this. No, and Gary Sanchez isn't 069 hitter. Right. We find know the this. mean. Find right. the mean. Um. All right, guys. Thank you. And sorry we were hard on you, John, but. That's one of the more hot takes that we've ever received. Uh, had, to, had to call it out. So thanks, guys, for the mailbag questions. If you want to submit yours, it's Bronx, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast is you, where you can submit the form or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast and join the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show, where you can post questions and, and discussion during the games. Scott, you thought I was going to let you get out of here without wishing you a happy birthday. I know it's in a couple days before... <laughs> our next episode so happy birthday everybody go wish scott a happy birthday on twitter any last words birthday boy no I, the fact that i forgot that it was my birthday <laughs> um <laughs> the, you know to, i submit i submit to mother nature we give up we we understand your power we get it please just let us play baseball just let us play baseball good stuff we'll talk to you guys in a few days 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.